and welcome to this edition of Well Spoken. Uh, today we are going to talk about our latest edition of Well Connected Edition 5. Uh, my name is Max Lemansky and I'm a partner in the Marine and International Trade Department and I'm joined today uh, for the first time on our podcast by Nicola Porter who is head of our BD function. So hello Nicola. Hi Max. Uh, Nicola is going to do a run-through of all kinds of content uh, that you'll be able to listen to and read over the autumn um, should you find yourself uh, with some spare time. Um, And the most up-to-date and the most immediate question is what is in Well Connected Edition 5? And I'm now going to run through a summary of those points, but of course you're really going to have to read uh, Well Connected 5 um, to get to the bottom of it. Uh, It's a good edition. We start with Richard taking a look at the difficult question of what to do when an EPC project just isn't working out. It was, of course, ABBA who said that breaking up is never easy, and it's certainly true in the context of an EPC construction project when a shipyard and an offshore contractor just can no longer get along. I suppose the best thing to do is to imagine the situation. A construction phase project is late, it's over budget, The teams have fallen out, uh, almost certainly the management have fallen out, and everybody recognises that it's time to go their separate ways. Conscious uh, decoupling, or whatever it was that Gwyneth said back in the day. And the question, of course, is how do you do that? Uh, Especially given your existing contractual framework. And the answer uh, that Richard sets out in his article is a carryover agreement. So please go and have a look at that where Richard talks about what is essentially uh, an agreement to disagree and how the parties can manage the process of moving from one yard to another yard and the various pitfalls and issues um, that arise. So that's our first article. The second is John Simpson over in our Singapore office has a look at the thorny question of just what is a material breach. Uh, we lawyers love to talk about repudiation and renunciation, anticipation, or anticipatory repudiatory breach. Um, and also, you often see in contracts the right to terminate for material breach. But what does that really mean? And of course, the real issue here is if you get it wrong um, and the other party is not in material breach, then you, the party purporting to terminate the contract are likely to be repudiation of the contract. So it's a high risk uh, moment. And John examines the recent case of Dalkia Utility Services and Celtic International Limited. In that case, Celtic uh, failed to pay three monthly instalments consecutively. Now, that was in the context of uh, approximately 100 or so monthly instalments over the duration of the contract. And the question was, was that failure, i.e. the pay to pay three monthly instalments in the context of that wider uh, contractual framework, was that material? Uh, and I'm not going to tell you the answer. Please go and read uh, the article um, and uh, let us know what you think. Um, so that's the second of... You're not going to believe this. Call in the rain. There's a bloody Well, I suppose we'll keep Please that. Uh, John, uh, so Chris, keep that for the recording. Quite funny. Yep, okay. Okay, bye. Bye. Okay, so um, let's restart. 
And then finally, we have Hayley Broom, who delves into the niceties of consequential loss clauses and whether your contract really does exclude the losses that you actually want to exclude. So by way of background, of course, you often see uh, exclusion clauses in offshore contracts that seek to exclude liability in relation to what they describe as consequential or indirect loss. But of course, is that really what the parties want? In particular, the party who seeks to rely on the exclusion clause usually uh, wants to exclude liability for losses such as loss of profits. So it's a bit of a surprise to them when they discover that often loss of profits may well fall within the notion of direct loss and therefore are not consequential. Haley examines the recent case of two entertain video where one of the parties got a nasty surprise and found that they were liable for much more than they had originally thought. Uh, Haley's article is, is, is great in that it also goes back and takes a look at the Transocean drilling case and gives some handy drafting tips uh, so that you can avoid the situation uh, where your exclusion clause uh, is not as helpful as you thought it would be. So that's uh, Well Connected Edition 5. I'm also very pleased to say uh, that we uh, here at Stevenson Harwood are about to launch the first ever dedicated text to the law of offshore floating production. In fact, I'm writing it along with Simon Moore and Stuart Beadnell, and we would love to hear from you as to anything that you might wish to have included in that text. So we're covering all aspects of the FPSO life cycle in particular, we are pushing that out more generally to other parts of, of uh, floating production. Uh, so we'll be looking at contract structures and why you use floating production techniques, design and construction during the uh, EPC phase. We'll be looking at conversions and modifications. Uh, we'll be looking at uh, delivery into the charter, carryover and interim production and defects and warranty issues which, by the way, is an interesting topic in the context uh, of Richard's article. Uh, we'll also be looking at FPSO commercial issues, uh, decommissioning, insurance and dispute resolution. So there'll be plenty in there. Uh, if you think that sounds interesting and there's something in particular you think we ought to be covering, then do drop me a line on max.lemansky at shlegal.com uh, and we will take a look and see if we can't include it. So that is our upcoming book. It's going to be launched in 2022. Uh, we're writing it at the moment. Um, so like I say, still the opportunity to get any particular topics you might like into the text. So that's what I had uh, to tell you about today. Uh, Nicola, perhaps you could tell us all about um, the other content that um, is on our plate um, coming up in the coming months and how they can while away those cold autumnal evenings. <laughs> yeah, of course. So there are a number of ways to stay in touch with the SH team and receive industry updates regularly. Our SH Offshore Energy team have a suite of bulletins available covering key areas. Subscribe to our weekly Offshore Energy Bulletin, well informed, for a roundup of industry highlights. For those of you engaged in LNG and gas transportation, trading and offshore production, subscribe to our bulletin, Well Hilled. For clients interested in hydrogen, and in particular, the roadmap for hydrogen in the UK at present, follow our quarterly roundup. Of course, for your commute, you have well spoken, and be sure to check out our previous episodes too, covering LNG trading, MAC clauses, termination rights and wrongs, and force majeure in oil and gas contracts. All of these plus more can be found at our dedicated offshore energy hub, www.offshoreenergylaw.com. 
As always, if you have any questions or topics that you'd like us to cover, give us a call and we'd be happy to have a chat and include them in our next editions. Thanks very much, Nicola. So plenty coming out, plenty of content, plenty going on. Uh, We wish you all the very best for the autumn. And uh, like I say, uh, it's an unusual situation, this, because you, uh, our listeners, have the opportunity, if you want to take it, to drop us a line with anything you'd like to say uh, about some good content for our upcoming book. Well, thank you very much, Nicola, and thank you very much for listening. That's, That's that.